Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Please join me in prayer. O God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Illuminate our hearts in this time and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 22 through 31. This is the story of Jacob's long night of wrestling. It takes place while Jacob is in the middle of a long journey, relocating his family and all of his worldly possessions back to the homeland of his father. As they travel, Jacob is also preparing to meet his twin brother Esau, with whom he's been in conflict his entire life. Jacob has sent lavish gifts ahead of the family caravan so that Esau will know Jacob comes to him in peace. Listen now for the word of God. Jacob got up in the night and took his two wives, Leah and Rachel, his entire household and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. He sent them across the river with everything that he had. Jacob was left alone on the riverbank, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, the man struck him on the hip, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint. Then the man said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man said to him, What is your name? Jacob. The man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. And Jacob asked, Please tell me your name. The man said, Why do you ask my name? And there he blessed Jacob. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon Jacob as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Recently, I had the opportunity to do something I never dreamed I would do. I flew an airplane. That's right. Pastor Melanie, who has never had even one hour of official flight instruction, successfully guided an airplane through the sky, and nobody died. Flying was one of the most memorable experiences of my life. 
I got to fly because my friend Anthony, who's a pilot and a flight instructor, invited me to go up in his plane. It became a lesson of sorts because airplanes are kind of like those special cars in driver's education where there's an instructor and a student and you're sitting next to each other and there's two steering wheels, which is very important, and there's two sets of brakes, also very important, and it's designed so that the instructor can take control if that becomes necessary. So Anthony let me fly the plane. He taught me what to do every step of the way. I was nervous, but I was up for the challenge. I got to help with taking off, with getting us up to our cruising altitude, and then I simply got to fly the plane. It was smooth sailing until it wasn't. All of a sudden, as we were cruising along, I started to feel some resistance in the controls. I didn't know what it was and what was happening, and I didn't know what to do, and I panicked. The nose of the plane started to dip down. I had trouble steering. I couldn't stay focused. The panic totally took over, and my brain and everything I had just been learning about flying flew out the window. I couldn't tell if I was wrestling some gust of wind or if Anthony had taken control of the plane and I was wrestling against his controls or maybe the stress and the adrenaline of the situation were catching up with me and I was wrestling myself as I gave in to doubt and fear. So I talked it out, took some deep breaths and remembered to trust, to trust myself, to trust Anthony and the plane, and ultimately to trust God. In that moment, Anthony taught me to look out to the horizon, to pick a point far away, and to guide the plane to steer it to that point using the big picture. And sure enough, looking up to the horizon got me out of the fear and back to the place where I could see the big picture again. And that's when I relaxed. And that's when I truly started to fly. I could even enjoy the landscape before us, the farms, the rivers, the trees, the horizon, the sky. God's beautiful creation was all right there. I just couldn't see it for the fear and the panic. But once I faced my fear and tuned into my strength and trusted, and as soon as I started to keep the big picture in sight, I learned that I could fly. It was those moments of panic when I didn't know what I was up against. I knew I was wrestling something. 
was those moments where I felt the way Jacob must have felt that night on the riverbank, wrestling a mysterious being. You may remember Jacob as the guy who connives his twin brother Esau out of Esau's birthright and then tricks their father Isaac into bestowing the family blessing on Jacob when it really should have gone to Esau. Jacob seems to have had a hard time accepting his place as the second-born son in the family. As a result, he's not always honest, and he steps on other people, including his own family members, to get ahead in life. In today's reading, Jacob is in the middle of a long journey, relocating back home. He's traveling with this huge caravan of people, possessions, and herds of livestock. They come to the Jabbok River, and Jacob sends everyone across the water. For some reason, he stays behind and stays alone on the riverbank for the night. We're not sure who or what he wrestles. The story is unclear. It's translated that he wrestles a man, but historically, some have interpreted it as an angel. Others say that Jacob wrestles his own inner demons all night long. Whoever or whatever he wrestled, at, that end, at the end of that long, hard night, Jacob concludes that he has wrestled none other than God. Jacob comes away from this encounter a changed man. He has met God vulnerable and alone, with no trickery this time, just pure face-to-face -face struggle. He rises to the challenge and finds himself transformed. The encounter is so powerful that Jacob comes away limping because of an injury. He receives not only the limp, but a new name and identity, and he receives a blessing. In turn, he renames the place where this struggle took place, Peniel, which means the face of God. He says here, I have seen God face to face. The next day, Jacob goes to meet his brother Esau. He's heard that Esau is coming to meet him with an army of 400 men, for Esau remembers the ways Jacob has cheated him. As a result of this news, Jacob has been praying. He knows that he's been in the wrong and that reconciling with a brother who's coming to meet him with an army will be no easy task. So Jacob sends servants ahead to Esau with this lavish offering of peace. When the two brothers reach each other on the road, they don't wrestle, they don't struggle, they don't engage in warfare. These brothers, these twins, embrace. 
they kiss, and both of them begin to weep. Jacob has seen God face to face, and he tells Esau, to see your face is like seeing the face of God. After all these years and all this conflict, Jacob can finally see the face of God in his own twin brother. The long night of wrestling has transformed him. Does it feel to you that these last four months have been a long night of wrestling? It does to me. The COVID virus is something we have learned a lot about, and yet it still remains this somewhat unknown force with which we have to wrestle. And it looks like it may be with us for a long, long while. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the virus. I want my life and routines back. I want our collective life back. Psychologists have coined a term for this feeling. It's called COVID fatigue. We're kind of done with the virus. Unfortunately, the virus isn't done with us. So this COVID season may become a much longer night of wrestling than we thought. Four months in, the question in my mind is how will we persevere? How will we persevere? Because we are having to persevere with so much else too. COVID is not the only thing happening in our world. Life has also continued to go on. Natural disasters continue to take place. Babies keep being born. People continue to die. Systemic injustices of racism and police brutality won't be going away anytime soon. And certainly each of us as individuals wrestles our own stuff, like anxiety and depression and addiction and self-doubt and fear and conflict. Maybe you're in the thick of one of these struggles Maybe you're in the midst of the kind of awakening Hallie preached about last week. Maybe COVID is the biggest concern for you right now. Whatever you are facing, my question for you is this. How do you see yourself persevering? And are there ways that the stories of the church might give you strength and hope for the living of these days? 
Perhaps the story of Jacob wrestling all night long, or the story of Job, or the story of Jesus enduring temptation and humiliation and the long journey to the cross. I would love to hear your thoughts on perseverance. I would love for you to send me an email or give me a call and share with me ways that you have persevered in your lives, how you draw inspiration and strength. I would especially love to hear how you envision yourself persevering in the weeks and months ahead. So we can and we will do this together. When we persevere, we are transformed. When we face our fears, when we tap into our strength, when we see the big picture and stay faithful to the struggle, we come out on the other side as changed people. We may not always get the outcome we want, but there are things in our control like our mindset and how we choose to face the challenges before us. Because it's not what we're up against that defines us. It's how we deal with what we're up against that defines us. COVID doesn't define us. Our systems don't define us. Our fear and panic don't define us. Our own inner struggles, such as anxiety or addiction or self-doubt, none of those define us. How we deal with them defines us. And it's never too late to start anew. This is where I see hope. As people of God, we look to that horizon and we see the bigger picture. We may feel alone in it the way Jacob was alone at the river, but it doesn't mean we have to be alone in it. We can lean in for God's courage and strength and grace and love And we can lean in to each other to be in the struggle together. Whatever the struggle, whether it's brief moments of panic on an airplane or a long night of wrestling on a riverbank, whether it's a long struggle for justice or a personal challenge that is uniquely ours, God meets us there. And when we face our challenges the way Jacob did, head on and forthright, we will come through to the other side. We will be transformed. We will be changed. And in the process, we may just see God face to face. Friends, may this be so for you and for me.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.